from the 78th Psalm, verse 72, the last verse in that chapter. That's Psalm 78, 72, if you'd like to turn there. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. You wish you could do that. But anyway, now, the last in the series of lessons on parenting, and really parenting is about six words, equipping for life, preparing for eternity. And if you listen to the passage that Brother Boyd read from Psalm 78 and verse 72. It was really about David and how he led the nation. But wouldn't it be marvelous if every child could say of their mom and dad, with integrity of heart and with skillfulness of hands, they brought me up. Wouldn't that be a marvelous compliment to any mom or dad? We've been looking at concepts that godly parents, that God-centered, scripture-driven, conscientiously crafting God's will to the lives of their kids, those types of parents, we've been looking at concepts that godly parents stress. We all look to God for help. Let me briefly go over the nine that we have covered. Stewardship. 
A child is ours for a while so that they can be God's forever. God is king, we're not. God is king, our children are not. Children are a gift from God and a sacred trust. Second concept, grace. A parent's favorite verse at some point is going to be 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, where God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. God is not only king, God is gracious. We ought to be as parents. Yet again, humility. That's the third concept or quality that godly parents will constantly be stressing or emphasizing. Humility. God's all-knowing and ever-present. We aren't. God's all-powerful. We aren't. There's something very humbling about having a little life committed to our care. And to see that little one grow and develop. And to realize that one day God is going to ask you, How have you done with that precious soul I committed to your care? Three down, six to go. In talking about parenting, we talked about the concept of identity. And the idea is this. We find our purpose and identity in God. And if we really don't find our purpose and identity in God, we'll find our purpose and identity in our kids or something far less precious. Maybe the things of this world. 1 John 2, 15-17. A concept that I had to learn a lot about personally in parenting is the concept process. Think of parenting as an ongoing conversation with your child. Every parent has said something. Haven't I told you this a thousand times? Think of how many times in the process God has had to remind us of some things in life. Not every day will be the best day. But every day can be a blessed day when we take more of a big picture view of parenting. Some days aren't so good, some weeks aren't so good, and I seem to remember a year or two that I didn't know if we were going to make, make it through. But in the process, God blessed us. That brings me to number six. The word is presence. To repeat something that I have said twice in this series, the greatest verse on parenting is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You have at the beginning all authorities been given to Jesus. You have at the end, I am with you always. And you have in the middle, make disciples of every person in your family. 
baptizing them under the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that you've been commanded. Then we examined authority. God is sovereign. It doesn't take little people very long before they start acting like little sovereign tyrants. They want to have their way, don't they? Sometimes parents view themselves as sovereign. But the idea is God is the authority to which parent and child must look for the proper development of that child's life. Discipline. Discipline. God disciplines us. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. Revelation 3, 19. Those that I love, I reprove and I chasten or discipline. God does that. Good parents are concerned about discipline because we have been disciplined by God for our good. Discipline may be instructive. It might be corrective. It may be a consequence of behavior uh, that serves as a punishment and a deterrent against future misbehavior. That ninth word was character. Because equipping for life and preparing children for eternity really amount to somehow shaping children to look more like Jesus. To be conformed to the image of God's Son, Romans 8, 29. So the idea of character, and I devoted nearly all of last Sunday evening's lesson to this, because parenting will always be a character issue. It'll be an issue of their character, and it will be an issue about yours. Every year when I get preachers in at Bear Valley, and I begin talking to them about preaching, one of the first things I go over, and I spend so much time on it, preaching is a character issue. People can forgive a lot, but a lack of character and integrity is an awful hard thing to deal with. That is exceptionally true of parents and children. Instill within them a desire to be people of integrity and honesty and character. People that love the Lord. Last three terms. You may have chosen 12 different words. But I believe the 12 I've chosen will bless any parent that wants to emphasize these concepts in bringing up their children. Worship. Worship. That'll be the 10th concept. And as I think about worship, here's the principle. You can teach your children not to follow idols and false gods by worshiping and serving joyfully the true God. 
You can encourage your children powerfully not to bow down to idols and false gods by joyfully and truly worshiping and serving the true and living God. A few passages to think about. You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. Matthew 4 verses 9 and 10. Give the Lord the glory due His name. Worship Him in the splendor of holiness. Psalm 29 and verse 2. Young people are to be so instructed in the ways of God that they will remember the things that they have been taught and want to apply them because they love the Lord. Now, in dealing with this concept of worship, let me give you four practical suggestions. Four practical suggestions regarding worship and parenting. Number one, start early. Start very early. I would encourage you to start emphasizing worship before that little one's in the womb, but certainly when that little one is in the womb. I encourage you to appreciate personal worship and family worship. Start early and appreciate the variety of ways that true worship can take place. Many a mother has sung great songs of praise to their little one when putting them down at night. Amen for that. How about getting a good children's study Bible with pictures and start thinking about how you can walk your children through at an early age. Here's another suggestion. Emphasize heart and head. Emphasize heart and head. Some parents with the best of intentions emphasize primarily head and their children may be walking encyclopedias of Bible information. But they may not have a heart for God. I recall going to the great country of India and listening to children that could not have been much older than five or six rattle off huge blocks of Scripture. They had committed that Scripture to memory, but they had no idea about what it meant and what they were saying. A heart and mind has got to really be stressed in helping 
children worship. I think it's one of the most glorious things that parents can do. You can introduce them to a God who is worthy of all the praise and honor that they can give Him and more. Suggestion number three. Yes, emphasize the assemblies and the classes. But emphasize worship at home too. I've preached long enough that I've seen a lot of young people come through our Bible classes and a lot of young people come through our congregation who left not long after they graduated from school or college. I don't know the background of all of those, but I suspect some of them went because that's what they had been trained to do, but it was not something that they were seeing an awful lot or were highly involved in at home. The home and the church work together in bringing up a child to help them love and honor and be thankful for God. Next, I offered this suggestion, make it personal. Make it personal for your child. Maybe your child is one who loves to sing. Maybe your child remembers everything that they might hear from a story. Maybe your child is very good at writing. Encourage them to use their gifts and abilities to praise God. To worship and serve Him. Next. Mercy. The concept I have chosen is mercy. The best thing you can do as a parent is to so experience the mercy of God in your own life that it shadows your parenting daily. So experience the mercy of God in your own life that it shadows your parenting daily. Think of how Psalm 23 ends. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We've called them God's sheepdogs. Well, I tell you what, how about parents? Wouldn't it be wonderful if a child thought one of his parents' name was goodness and the other one's name was mercy? There's a need for goodness and mercy in parenting, isn't there? How about Hebrews 4.16 that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now think about what mercy is. Mercy is tenderheartedness and compassion to someone who is in need. Who in the world 
has more needs than a child and they may not even be aware of all of them. Tenderheartedness, compassion to one who is in need. Some suggestions about being a merciful parent. Pray at the beginning of every trial. Pray during every trial. And pray at the end of every trial. Pray before, during, and after every trial you face in parenting. We ought not to faint. We ought not to blow our tops. Maybe sometimes there's righteous anger. But sometimes we don't express it so righteously. Think of this statement from James 1 as a suggestion for mercy. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think I'd like to be remembered as a parent who did that, don't you? Third, I offer this suggestion. Confess when you are wrong to your children. Confess when you are wrong to your children. It might be that you say to your kids, I want you to know that I did not handle that well. I said things that I don't think were right. I want you to know that, and I'm sorry. There are many adults who have grown up who have never heard anything like that from parents. Because of pride or self-sufficiency or whatever. Or guilt, maybe. But experiencing the mercy of God helps us to acknowledge when we make mistakes in bringing up our children. I think elders can learn that before churches. I know preachers can. Sometimes we just have to say, I blew it. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I thought we were doing the right thing, but we didn't handle things as well as we should have. Parents... The same thing is applicable for us. If we want our children to be people who really have experienced mercy from us, it will be because we have first experienced God's mercy and have shown it to them. That doesn't mean we don't discipline. That doesn't mean that there aren't rules and that there aren't consequences to misbehavior. 
God is merciful, and yet God still disciplines. Blessed are the people that see the appropriate place of each of these areas. The last concept is love. Love. And I want to take four or five passages, and I want to take them a little out of their initial context, but apply each one of them especially to parenting, all right? And I don't think I'm doing any grave disservice to the passages. I think I'm representing the idea, at least partially, that's involved in the passages that I'll be referring to. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by your love, one for another. John 13, 35. Love suffers long as a parent and is kind. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Love one another with a pure heart fervently. Wouldn't it be great if more parents loved with a pure heart fervently their kids? Their wife and their kids saw that? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Love covers a multitude of sins. In us as parents, and it knows when to deal with and when maybe to extend mercy to kids. First John four and verse twenty. If a man say, I love God, and hates his child, how can the love of God abide in him? How can he love God whom he has not seen and hate his child whom he has seen? What I have discovered in being a parent is that passages that I have preached through the years have taken on, Tim, a lot more meaning for me when I started thinking about them as a dad. When I started thinking about them as a dad, and not just in the basic context, but in the extended context. So we've looked... At worship, mercy, and love. I think that will help us as we look at these concepts, all 12. Take them together 
equipping our children for life and preparing our children for eternity. Thank you for your patience and for listening so well. You know, there are parents that can be very godly and outstanding. Yes, they make mistakes. But maybe their children grow up and for whatever reason, they reject the things that they were taught by mom and dad. That hurts. That hurts a lot. But as long as children have life and we can pray for them and as long as they have their own kids and others, we can keep helping and encouraging and influencing. What I found personally a long time ago with my own stepdad who had left the church and was very obstinate and rebellious for years and years, I could never get anywhere with him. But my kids could say practically anything to him. And over time, I saw a guy who was six foot four, about 260 pounds. I saw his heart melted by David and Karen when they were quite little. And if I had said to, them, to him what they would say sometimes about God and would you come to church with us and would you read God's word with us and would, can we have a prayer, if I'd have said those things, the cussing and the abuse that would have been spewed would have been unbelievable. What I want you to know is that God may not be using you to win that obstinate, rebellious, hard-hearted soul but he may use someone else in your family. He may use your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew or a great-grandchild. And that can make the difference between heaven and hell. I think that it did for my stepdad. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. Maybe there is someone here that needs to put on Jesus in baptism tonight. There's no better time. You can have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. You can put him on and be his child, a child of the King, the Lord and Savior. But for the rest of us, those of you who are parents... Please listen to my words. I think you'll be glad that you did in the long run. And young people, boys and girls, y'all listening? When you have a parent that tries to bring you up that way, you love and appreciate that. And you tell your mom and dad, okay? They're not perfect, but they know somebody that is. And they want to honor him by the way that they bring you up. Let's stand and sing.